Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Life doesn't get any easier. And even having words of encouragement from other people, this life is challenging. It's challenging. It's good to have these things. It's good to have people come into your life and say, hey, you know what? Here's what I notice about you. This, the thing about it, though, is sometimes we need the good and sometimes we need the bad. Sometimes we need the good and the bad, right? Sometimes if, if we're not, you know, doing what we should do, it's good to have somebody come alongside you and say, hey, you know what? Here's what I'm noticing. And we maybe need to stop, right? We need those things. If you knew you only had a few moments to live, what would you want to convey to the people you love? Not that you need to be serious all the time, but if you keep that in mind in your interactions, it would most likely change your conversations dramatically. As Pastor James will challenge us in today's message, we need to be the kind of friend who loves enough to speak words of encouragement as well as calling out sin. Don't waste your words. They have more of an impact than you might realize. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 49 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. just been walking through, you know, kind of through all these guys' lives and the patriarchs, and those are like the founding fathers, so to speak, you know, with Abraham, then Isaac, and more specifically, we've been looking at Jacob and his family, and chapter 49 just kind of brings a close to Jacob's story. This is the chapter where he, he's going he's gonna to pass away at the end of this chapter, um, but it, he kind of leaves one last impression for all his boys, um, for his sons, and uh, this is kind of a... a a nice little intimate setting, and we get to kind of be a fly on the wall in this very private moment between a father and his sons, which is kind of a cool thing that the Lord lets us do this. Uh, I don't know if you've had somebody special in your life that has passed on, and maybe before leading up to them uh, passing on that they maybe were able to convey something meaningful to you about who you are and how they see. We know that those, those last words can be very impactful upon our lives. Um, sometimes shaping the rest of our lives because we're like, especially if it's somebody that we care dearly about, we really admire or appreciate their perspective and what they see concerning us. And they, if they come through saying, hey, listen, man, I noticed this about you, or I see this on you, um, that can be just a, a tremendous thing of encouragement. We'll see that with Jacob. I had somebody do that for me. Now, um, I've had the pleasure, you know, working for a church and all that stuff in Amarillo, Texas. I was up there for... I don't know, 15 years, youth pastor. But I got to work alongside a lot of guys. um, And all my heroes were all guys who were way older than I was. And uh, some of these guys have passed on. But just to be able to sit with some of these guys and it's like it's closing out for them. You know, life is coming to a close for these guys. And just to be able to hear them and say like, one of my friends, RL, he was like our accountant up there at Amarillo. And um, he saw me when I first moved to Amarillo and I was not saved. I was a senior in high school. And he, he, he knew me from then. He kind of knew my family and all that stuff. And, but I was with him in his room, just, you know, I can't remember how long he, it was until he actually passed away, but basically in the, the, the last weeks of his life. And 
just to sit with my good buddy RL, uh, World War II vet, just an amazing man, but just to hear him say like, hey, listen, let me tell you, James, here's what I've noticed about you. I've watched you. I watched you when you came in, first step foot in the church, and you didn't know Jesus. You, didn't, you weren't say, you know, not saved at all and all that good stuff. You never said a word to anybody, which I never did. Uh, a lot of people didn't even know I could actually speak, which was kind of funny, but um, a lot of people didn't think I could speak. Uh, now here I am. I, this is what I do all the time. Um, but... And, and just to hear from this man that I truly admired and respected to say, but it's just to see what the Lord has done in your life, to see what the Lord has done, how he's transformed you and all this stuff. And those are like things that we all need to hear from individuals at times. Because uh, I don't know about you guys, but um, even 20 years of walking with the Lord, life doesn't get any easier. And even having words of encouragement from other people, this life is challenging. It's challenging. It's good to have these things. It's good to have people come into your life and say, hey, you know what? Here's what I notice about you. This, the thing about it, though, is sometimes we need the good and sometimes we need the bad. Sometimes we need the good and the bad, right? Sometimes if, if we're not, you know, doing what we should do, it's good to have somebody come alongside you and say, hey, you know what? Here's what I'm noticing. And we maybe need to stop, right? We need those things. Paul even talks about that in the New Testament. We get that with Jacob and his sons because it's not all good stuff. But it is kind of cool to see what he says. So look with me in verse 1 of chapter 49. It says, uh, I'm New King James today. Um, and Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Um, so this is, uh, this is Jacob. He just had a meeting with his son, Joseph, and his new sons, because he had Joseph and his two boys, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, and um, Jacob just adopted Joseph's two sons as his own, okay? So we, we're really, I mean, the same moment. We don't, no days pass or anything like that. This is the same moment. Jacob calls in all the rest of his sons and says, listen, I need to tell you guys, in one sense, a lot of this stuff is prophetic. I need to tell you guys what I see in you, but also what I see going to happen with you and with your families, so he's going to gather them all up. He's got all his boys in there. There's, uh, you know, the 12 normal sons, but then also Ephraim and Manasseh are present within this meeting as well. And so here he goes. He's got them all together. Verse 2, gather together and hear you sons of Jacob and listen to Israel, your father. That's the other name, the name that God had given Jacob, Israel, or governed by God. And he starts off with his oldest, Reuben. Verse 3, Reuben, you're my firstborn my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and excellence of power. Like you start off really good. Firstborn, right? You, some of you may understand what that's like, especially if you've got a boy and you're just your firstborn. It's like, okay, you're, you're the guy. You're the one. You're supposed to be the one who carries on the torch, the legacy. It's on you, right? When dad passes away, and especially in this culture, the one who is going to bear the torch, spiritually speaking, would be the oldest son, typically, not in this case, right? We already saw this from chapter 48. That was passed on to Joseph, okay? That's who Jacob really saw as his firstborn child because it was from his favorite wife, Rachel. Seems messed up. Well, this is how God was choosing to do things. And now, and we understand why when you read the rest of this. He's like, Reuben, listen, you were my firstborn. I love you. However, I got a problem with you, right? I, we got an issue. Reuben wasn't the best guy, character-wise, he says, verse 4, you're unstable as water. You shall not excel. Because, because that may seem harsh, right? Coming from dad, like dad's on his deathbed. And he's telling you, he's like, listen, you are just unstable. Can't trust you. And you're like, well, that's kind of a mean thing to say. They're like, well, 
when you understand what he did, it kind of makes sense, right? It's like, why? Why, is, why shall he not excel? Because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. You went up to my couch. You hooked up with my wife. That's why. That, now, yours may not say that. If you're reading out of the New Living Translation, it says that. Like, hey, um, you remember Bilhah, my concubine? Reuben hooked up with her. And he's like, buddy, you're my firstborn. Pride and joy. Next guy in line. Um, except for this one time where you, uh, what, what were you thinking? But see, he was a man who was controlled by his, what, desires. James, the book of James says, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't trust him. You can't trust him. And this was Reuben. So Jacob on his deathbed is like, he didn't say anything at the time. And I wonder what um, Dan and Naphtali, because that was their mom, right? That was their mom. As they're standing there, they probably already knew the story, but you can picture it. You can imagine being there and you're like, wait, what? Like, that's my mom. Like, no, that's, well, that's gross, number one, Okay. That's, I don't care if it's, you know, how this weird this family dynamic is with you got Leah and then you got Zilpah and then Bilhah and then Rachel. These were the, the wives, so to speak, that um, God used to bring about the 12 nations of, or the 12 tribes of Israel. It's messed up. I'm sorry, but that's messed up. He wasn't trustworthy. He really wasn't a leader. He was never a leader within the family. He had multiple opportunities to step up and to lead and he never did. He never did. And Jacob recognized that. And he also saw that that was something that Reuben was going to carry on throughout the rest of his life. Could he have changed? Absolutely. Absolutely. He could have, but only if he really wanted to. And there's an understanding there that he possibly was kind of okay with how he lived his life. Most of these sons, you don't, you, you really, you're not going to hear a lot about these guys going forward. Uh, not a lot of mighty men of faith, you know, from some of these tribes. Not, not too many that are noteworthy from some of these guys. But Reuben, he's like, listen, man, um, it was yours. It was yours to take, but you blew it. You blew it. And in one sense, it kind of highlights the fact that there was probably never any repentance coming out of that story. No, like remorse which is still kind of like, ugh, that's, that's gross. Like, that's, that's messed up. Okay, so that's Reuben. And he moves on. And he's going to lump, lump these next two guys together because these guys always ran together. This is Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty. Well, that's great. That's, thanks, Dad, right? But he, he nailed them. He knows who these guys are. Why? Because he's watched them their entire lives and he's also familiar, just as we are, because we've went through the whole book. We know the stories about these guys. Simeon and Levi, instruments of cruelty, are in their dwelling place. Let, let not my soul enter their council. That's, that's pretty significant when your own dad's like, listen, I hope I don't get, I'm not in a, like a dark alley with you guys, right? Because you guys terrify me. That's essentially what he's saying. He's like, you guys are, you run together. You're mean in one sense. Cruelty is just a, it's an element of their characteristic. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, in their, in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And this is all the prophecy stuff. And you need to know, for these two tribes, they were essentially scattered throughout the rest of the tribes of Israel. Levi never got a, por a portion of land. He never got his own portion because he came, funny enough, he becomes the, pe the priestly line. 
like Moses and Aaron. These guys are Levites. They came out of there. Um, and it's funny that Levi and Simeon, two of the meanest brothers ever, from one of those guys comes the priestly line, right? Like how ironic is that? You know, God's like, listen, you guys are mean. And, and we remember the story. I don't know if you, if you remember or not, but they had a sister named Dinah and uh, they were by Shechem. And there was a prince there in Shechem and he really liked Dinah, but he, he sexually assaulted her, right? And then he tried to make it right and say like, listen, I really want to marry her. I love her and all this stuff. And and so his brothers, and specifically these two brothers, were like, all right, we got a plan. And they went and wiped out the entire city, above and beyond. Even to the animals, they were injuring the animals. And Jacob took note of that. And really, it's the Lord who's taking note of that and saying, this is within your character. This is within your character. This is, what you, this is kind of how you'll be known. So beware of these guys, beware of those guys. And I would also say there's a good practical um, application within, within here as well. Don't let your anger control you. Do not let your anger and your emotions get the best of you. It's always good to kind of step away from a situation, take a few breaths, chill out, and then enter back into whatever scenario you might be a part of. We, we do this with our children all the time, right? We're like, hey, okay, count to 10. Count to 10. They usually ask for mom and dad, right? We're like, count to 10. Um, I don't want to blow up on this kid. Um, it, it's just good, like, not to let your emotions get the best of you. These guys were kind of, just like Reuben was, like, driven by his passion, right, and his desires, Simeon and Levi were driven by their emotions and their hostility. They're driven by their hostility. That can get you in, uh, man, that can, that can get you into some troublesome places, Here's the next guy. And these guys, we're, we're talking about, these are the sons of, of Leah, okay? This is the one who Jacob never really intended to marry, but they snuck her in there. Um, her dad kind of snuck her into the tent. Jacob really wanted to marry Rachel, and uh, he ended up with Leah. Uh, and you're like, well, how did that, I mean, come on, honeymoon night, how do you not know? Well, okay, it's a tent. There's no electricity. I mean, come on, it's dark. You don't know. Um, there's veils that were covering them. That's just customary and all that stuff. So he was literally surprised by that. You can imagine him waking up the next day and being like, whoa, what just happened? I don't know. They pulled the old switcheroo on him. But these are the sons from Leah. So you got Reuben, you got Simeon, you got Levi. And then here's the other son, Judah. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. That's what his name means. Judah means praise. And so this is a play on the word there. He's Jacob's telling his son, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Here's what I want you to understand. That verse we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, how the old is gone, you're a new creation, Judah personifies that. Because he didn't start off really well. He was actually the one who said, you know what? Uh, we don't need to murder Joseph. Let's sell him as a slave and make some money off of him. That was his idea. But he's also the brother at the end of that story who stepped up and said, listen, I will sacrifice myself for the sake of my brothers, looking more like Jesus in that story than anybody else. Judah had a change. He had a change. And here, this prophecy concerning him is really setting up the kingly line that would be established uh, many years after this. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion, as a, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until what? Until Shiloh comes. Well, what's Shiloh? Peace. 
tell peace. So really what's being prophesied about Judah is this. Listen, kings will come from your, from your lineage until peace shows up. Peace showed up 2,000 years ago, and his name is Jesus, and that's when the kingly line stopped. Israel hasn't had a king since then, and it for sure stopped in AD 70 when Rome was like, no more, no more. Everything was taken from them. Law was taken from them. They couldn't, the Jews couldn't execute Jesus. They had to submit to the Romans and, and for them to crucify Jesus. Everything was being taken away from these guys, but it all lines up with even just this, these few verses from Genesis chapter 49, where God's like, hey, listen, I know what's going to happen. I already know what's going to happen. Thousands of years, at this point in time in Genesis and 49, we're already, we've already covered almost 2,000 years of human history on this planet in Genesis chapter 49. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's how much time has passed from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 49. You're talking about a, t a chunk of time. And then not too long after that, you're going to have Jesus showing up. But here's Judah. Judah has made a different, I mean, there's been a change in Judah's life. And now it's being reflected like, listen, you stood, you stepped up. You stepped up. You could have been defined by your past, but you're not. But you're not. See, there's been a change about you. And not only has God, you know, recognized that change, but he's also, he's going to use Judah. And from Judah, you're going to have uh, tremendous individuals who will come from him. Jesus being the lion of the, the tribe of Judah, right? The greatest. You don't get better than Jesus. You do not get better than Jesus. You know, below him, for sure, you have a guy named David, King David. Amazing man. Amazing man of God. But here it is. It's setting it all up for Judah. Like, listen, from your line, it's going to be kings and all that good stuff until until Shiloh comes or until peace comes or you could even say until the Prince of Peace shows up. Verse, uh, the rest of verse 10 there, and to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Good just descriptions of this guy, but this is also descriptions of Jesus himself. And you can read through the book of Isaiah and you'll see a lot of these things repeated concerning the Messiah, who is Jesus. It's fascinating that when Jesus did show up on the scene and, and some of the rule and the authority was taken away from the Jews, a lot of the guys who are in the, the Jewish leaders of that day, so you have like the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the governing wise, they were all in the streets crying out and lamenting the fact that their rule and their law had been taken from them and the Messiah had not shown up. And yet Jesus was walking in their city during those days. Totally missed it. Totally missed the fact that here it was prophesied in Genesis chapter 49, not just in Genesis 49, but you can even go back to Genesis chapter 3, but more specifically here in Genesis 49, the very days Jesus was walking around in the city of Jerusalem, these guys were crying out saying, oh man, God got it wrong. We don't have any law anymore. There's no king anymore. We can't establish a king anymore. And the Messiah is not here. And there goes Jesus walking by. Hey, let's kill that guy. Right? Like, this is literally what was going on. He was there, they missed it. He was there, but they missed it. So that's Judah. Judah, man, what a great, what a great turnaround. What a great comeback, right? Like, God is a God of, of comebacks and second chances and all that good stuff. And Judah is just a guy who kind of personifies that, just like I said. Man, he started off like, I don't know how it's going to work out for you, buddy, to where now it's like, 
you're all right. Man, you're, look, at, look at your legacy. Look at the Lord sees in you. Look at how the Lord's going to use you. It's tremendous. Now we go on to some of the other, um, the other sons uh, from Leah's. Uh, you got Zebulun. Zebulun shall uh, dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, uh, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. And that's it. Like, you're going to be up in, the, you know, in this region. You're not really living on the Mediterranean Sea, but he's close to it. Um, I believe it's technically speaking more of like kind of within the Galilee region there, but that's kind of all that's said about him. Just geographically, like, eh, this is where you're going to live. And you'll, you know, you'll be doing some stuff with some, with some uh, ships and stuff, you know, so you're like, oh, you know, that's cool. I like the water. Um, so sweet, you know, like for him, if I was Zebulon, I'd be like, did he say anything bad? Oh, sweet. Okay. I'd be looking at my other brothers and be like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> Ray, Reuben, how's it going, buddy? Um, Judah's like, hey, I'm the best, you know, Judah's got the biggest praise of them all. But, uh, you know, if you're Zebulun and this is all that's said of you, it's not really like a bad thing because I'm sure there could be been some dirty laundry aired if need be, but that's all that was said of them. Issachar, the next one, verse 14. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. Uh, he saw that rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulders to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. Uh, so this is fascinating for Issachar. Uh, here he is, he's likening him to a strong donkey. So, you know, there's strength within Issachar, the ability to work and all that good stuff. However, he's kind of lazy. He's kind of lazy. That just got really loud. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Uh, it says he lies down between two burdens. Like there's the work. He sees it, lots of potential, lots of opportunity. And he's like, I think I'm going to take a nap. I think I'm going to take a nap, right? And it's like, no. No, if you just apply yourself, like there's so much, there's a harvest that's there. He's like, ah, I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to rest. I'm going to just relax here. Uh, it's, it's good, but it also is like, it's just that thing of like, you see potential in somebody and you're like, you have so much to offer, so much to offer. Just go, just do it. Go for it. the glory of God. Just go for it. I think I'm going to rest. Well, I understand rest. We all need rest. Sabbath, that's a beautiful concept. Take a day where you don't do anything. Do that. It's good for you. It's healthy. It's great for you. You can't live your entire life that way, though. Not seven-day Sabbath. That's not, you can't do that, right? That's not even biblical. That's actually anti-biblical, okay? Um, no, work hard and, and take, take hold of opportunities that present themselves to you and rest when you're supposed to rest. Issachar's like, eh. I could, but I don't think I'm going to do it. It's like, well, why? Why? I don't know. That just drives me nuts. What's funny is one time in, I was part of a, when I was in Bible college, I came back in Amarillo. I was part of like a college ministry thing. I don't know what it was. Um, college kids got together. We'd sing songs and we'd study the Bible. That's what we did. Uh, but the leader of that was um, one day he was like, hey, you know what? If you, you know, you guys heading off to Bible college, I just want to pray over you guys. If that's cool. And we're like, Okay, we're never gonna, never gonna turn that down. And but as he's praying over us, he's like, he's almost like getting a word from the Lord for each and every one of us. Um, which was for me at that point in time, I was like, this is kind of weird. Um, but I was like, I'm just gonna, that's fine. And he starts praying over me, and and he's like, man, he's like, James, what I see when I'm praying over you is you're like a mule, you're like a donkey. And I'm like, oh, that's is that good? I mean, because I'm freshly saved, and I'm like. I know I'm stubborn. I know my wife's over there. She's behind that pillar over there. She's probably amen and, amen and like crazy. She knows, and there's none more stubborn than I am usually. So uh, he's like, you're like it. But it was like, but you're like carrying burdens, other people's burdens. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
There's so much to learn from the pages of Genesis, but sadly, that's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad you've spent your time with us today, and we'd like to take a moment and let you know how you can hear more of Pastor James Grizzle's teachings. Simply navigate to breadforthebroken.com and click on Teachings to access our archive. Feel free to share the teachings with your friends and family, or post them to social media. We love it when we can share the good news of the gospel with anyone and everyone, and you are a part of that. While you're at our website, you'll be able to discover more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. Calvary Galveston isn't just another church in our city. We want to be a light for Jesus to all who enter through our doors. We love the Word of God, Jesus, the people of our church, and the people of our city. Do you live in Galveston or are you visiting soon? We'd be honored to meet you in person. Calvary Galveston gathers for Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. Not too early, but in plenty of time to start the week out with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed. Just come as you are. At our service, we search the scriptures for what God wants to teach us, and we spend time reflecting and celebrating Him through worship. Visit breadforthebroken.com for our address and to get more information. We're excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' teaching. Join us again next time to continue through Genesis and find hope and new life in Jesus.